This is Larry Weissin, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Today we've got a really great guest on. We've got Katie DiLorenzo, also known as the New Mexico Huntress. And let me tell you, Katie's located in New Mexico and I've recently fallen in love with the all the hunting opportunities in that state. Katie's going to tell us all about that and her adventures in the state of New Mexico. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks so much. How are you? Really good, really good. Now, I've been following you on on Facebook and Instagram, and you've been putting out some neat pictures. I understand are recently, within the last few years, uh, getting heavily into hunting, uh, making sure hunting is accessible for a a number of people in New Mexico. Is that correct? Yeah. So I uh, grew up, I was an athlete, and I was totally focused on soccer. And um, after, you know, I blew my knee out, wasn't going to play college soccer, actually coached for 12 years. And then... um, I just decided it was really time to shift my focus a little bit. And I've just been really diving into hunting for probably the past four or five years, really focusing on learning everything I can about it. Well, fantastic. Now, we talked a little bit before we started recording the show, and you told me you're new to bow hunting, but you did do a lot of rifle hunting, I I assume. So tell me a little bit about that before we transition to bow hunting. Sure. So when I first started off um, hunting, I obviously just didn't have a whole ton, a lot of time to get out there. And so on the weekends, you know, it was like we have a few days. And so rifle hunting really made more sense. And for my first hunting opportunities, my brother-in-law worked on a private ranch. And so obviously now I like public land DIY hunting. But for those first few hunts, um, I was, you know, going out on a really nice ranch and getting set up on cow elk. And I was lucky enough to harvest three of those. And then I kind of decided I wanted to get more serious, had the opportunity to do that this year. Last year, I drew a Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep tag for a ewe. And I was able to harvest one. My dad and I, he's 67. We hiked up to the top of the wilderness and harvested a sheep day one with a seven at min mag. By some miracle, I drew the same tag this year. And I just decided to challenge myself a little bit and pick up a bow and try and harvest one with a bow instead. Well, and you've got those pictures on Instagram. And I would encourage anybody to go over to New Mexico Huntress to look up Katie's Instagram page. And I'll have notes to this, show notes for this episode. But the pictures, the animals that you've taken are just beautiful and such a such a great representation of what's available in New Mexico that I think is a hidden gem to a lot of hunters. It really is. I think... Most people, um, even here in the state, don't understand all of the amazing hunting opportunity that we have. So, of course, you see a lot of monsters. Well, elk come out of New Mexico. We do have some good muleys, but there are some exotics. Um, many introduced, I believe, in the 1970s, and they're just really interesting and unique. So, we have oryx, um, also known as Gemsbok, and they're in southern New Mexico, right by where I grew up, around the White Sands Missile Range. And then you also have Persian or Bezoar ibex. And there, again, in the southern part of the state in the Florida mountains. And the fact that we have those animals here is just incredible. And they're all free range hunts. The ibex in particular is interesting because it is the only free range 
long-range um, ibex hunt in North America. Yeah, isn't that an amazing item? And I know the tags are not easy to draw, and I believe both the Oryx and the Gemsbach are a once-in-a-lifetime draw. And I believe you've done the Gemsbach, have you not? I have not. I've actually never drawn for it. Oh, okay. But they're, I mean, they're so incredible. And, you know, the landscape is incredible, too, because you're hunting around white sands, which is just a really incredible sight in itself. And our terrain in New Mexico is interesting because it goes from high desert, really interesting geological features, you know, all the way up to around 13,000 feet where you hunt sheep in northern New Mexico. And so there's just a ton of diversity in terms of the actual environment and terrain itself. Well, and you also do quite a bit of fishing that is not something that people would normally think of in New Mexico. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm kind of open to any kind of fishing. You know, my dad and I were in the Jemez just a couple of weeks ago, and it's, I don't know, maybe an hour drive away and just fishing the little creek and pulling beautiful trout out. And then we don't have a lot of monster fish, but we do have a, a good spread of species for sure. And so, um, you know, here in a few weeks, we'll head to go ice fishing. And that's always really exciting because there's some beautiful trout, um, especially around the Hickoria. And so there's tons of opportunities here. And um, some of my favorite is also musky fishing. And I'm going to try uh, as my next hunting adventure to pull a musky out of blue water, probably in a kayak. That's on my hit list. Wow, fantastic. Now, I, I grew up on the shores of Lake Huron in Michigan. And there's there's many of the inland lakes and then some of the other areas that are just known for extremely large musky. So to take one out of a kayak would be heck of a challenge. I applaud you for a try in that. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I mean, here at 40 inches is a keeper, so we don't have, you know, beasts like they do in other places. But I think it'll still be an interesting experience. And that's really what I'm always looking for. It's like learning something new through every hunting and fishing adventure you go on. So you're not always maybe looking for the biggest and baddest things, but you're learning the equipment, you know, putting yourself in that situation. And I think each of those experiences for me helps my psyche. Like I'm developing my philosophy as a hunter. Well, that's fantastic. And do you record your hunts on video? I actually haven't. I am so focused on just learning right now and becoming the best hunter I can be, but I feel like it would really detract from that. But hopefully I can in the future. I went on so many incredible hunts this fall. Um, we hunted for mountain goat in Colorado. I went on my friend's Ibex archery hunt. Now looking back, I kind of wish I had hmm. video, but there's also something interesting about that being a transient and kind of fleeting moment that you can't recapture. So I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. But of course, for education, I think it's amazing. Um, but there are just certain times where not having that stuff around, I think, is you know really valuable and allows you to connect with what's happening. You're not focused on, am I getting the best shot? You're focused on, am I getting the animal correctly? Yeah, absolutely. And even when I shot my uh, bighorn with my bow this year, my friend could have easily filmed it. We were just so caught up in the thrill of the moment that we did it. And I just, I would never want filming to take away, but someday I'll get there and I could be like Remy Warren and he's docking and setting up his shot and harvesting, but I think that's a tall order. <laughs> well, if you're going to, if you're going to aspire, that's a great one to aspire to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Remy's awesome. I love his solo DIY mentality. And I think that's my ultimate goal as a hunter is can I get good enough at wayfinding and identification and all that good stuff to 
eventually go, you know, pull a mule deer and elk out all by myself. That's like the main goal. Oh, very nice. Now, tell me a little bit about your philosophy on hunting. What is what is your views on it? As as a relatively new person, it sounds like you grew up in a family that maybe hunted, but you didn't take it up till later. Yeah, absolutely. So my dad was a biologist and worked for the Forest Service for 36 years. My sister is also a biologist and her husband um, has a wildlife science degree as well. And so we were always around it. And growing up, instead of going to Disneyland, you know, we'd go to lakes or to mountains. And I rejected it a little bit, I think, because it was just always there. I'm like, while other kids are going on these huge trips, like we're going places around, you know, New Mexico. And so that coupled with my focus on soccer, I was trying to play college soccer. I really didn't embrace it until later in life. And I thought, what the heck am I doing? This is really, this is our heritage. It's my family. It's like what we do. Once I started diving in, I mean, I always understood the link between hunting and the and biology and management because my dad always explained that and so for me it was never it wasn't a huge jump in terms of whether hunting is good or bad or necessary I mean I've always felt like it was now it's become a huge part of my life in terms of how I consume food I think that's a really important thing that people need to be thinking about is where their meat actually comes from if in terms of health and fitness it's really key to my entire lifestyle. You know, I eat only meat I harvest as much as possible. And I think that's a really great point for people that maybe don't like hunting so much or anti-hunters is I know where my food comes from and this animal lived an amazing life. You know, a moment of killing, obviously, but they've led a great life. And there's so many other food sources in the world that we could be looking at more closely And so it's pretty well-rounded in terms of hunting is a necessity to me on many different levels, providing food, feeding your soul, understanding nature and our part in it. I'm a huge advocate for it. And I think that my family just gave me that perspective because my dad would come home and, you know, he'd be butchering a turkey and we'd look and see what it was eating or taking it apart and really getting to know the animal. What a great opportunity that your your dad provided for you. And the best part is, is that you didn't just completely walk away from it. You did finally embrace it and realize that it's it's great. You know, you're eating basically as as organic meat as you can get. So it's it's just a very neat process and very neat philosophy that you have, and and I applaud you for that. You're also doing something that we were talking about where you're working on an initiative to make sure that more people get involved in hunting and are aware of hunting. Uh, can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm just starting to get involved with a really great organization. Um, they're called the New Mexico Youth Conservation Foundation. And I'm not fully involved yet, but the idea is that they take uh, children and their families who wouldn't typically have access to hunting opportunities and introduce them to the outdoors. So for instance, they'll take eight kids out to a ranch and they'll all harvest does. So they have great partnerships with different people that create opportunities for these people to experience hunting in the outdoors. It's so important to the future of our hunting heritage because the amount of people that go through hunter safety and then actually end up hunting or fishing is very small. And so there's just not a huge conversion rate. And I can see why that, you know, why that happens because it takes such a huge amount of knowledge for where to go or what tackle or weapon to take 
um, and actually how you do it and then how you process the things that you keep. And I mean, even for me, it's a challenge and I have expert hunters in my family and there's just so many idiosyncrasies with all the different types of hunting or fishing you can do, you know. So the whole idea is to get their attention and really make them love the outdoors. And if you can kind of get them young, then hopefully they'll have a whole lifetime of that in their future. What a great initiative to stand behind. I was very impressed. Uh, as many of my listeners will know, I have uh, mobility issues, so I'm considered handicapped uh, under state regulations for many states. And one thing I was really impressed about was New Mexico's ability or willingness to accommodate anybody that has some special needs for hunting. And they really, really make it easy to try and harvest all the species. I mean, I mean, obviously the ibex is a little bit more of a challenge for a mobility and restricted person, but New Mexico does all it can do to make it easy for the the state animals like the turkey, the the mule deer, the elk. So I really applaud the state for what they're willing to do because they're they're far more advanced on that than many other states. That's really wonderful to hear. I'm not really familiar with those regulations, but. I mean, I think, you know, opening the doors for whoever wants to be out there is so critical to hunting. I mean, it just really is. It's If you're passionate about the outdoors, how can you get out there? So that's that's fantastic. So tell me a little bit, you went and did a number of hunts this fall. I know I saw a picture of you holding a beautiful turkey. Was that from this fall? Yeah, that was this fall. Um, me and a friend went out and he just knows a really good spot and we were able to get on some turkeys and I'm going to make some green chili wild turkey enchiladas that I'm really excited about. But turkey hunting is definitely a passion. Um, That's something that, you know, since I was 18, my dad would take me out and call turkeys in and just seeing a big gobbler, you know, strutting and gobbling and walking through a field is unforgettable. And it's definitely one of my favorite hunts. Yes. Earlier this spring, or I should say last spring, I drove through New Mexico, stopped in Ruidoso, uh, went to a little town called Pie Town. Uh-huh. If anybody's ever been there, it's a great place. Great to talk to the locals. And the whole time I was driving through, all I could think was, my gosh, this is the best elk habitat I think I've ever seen. <laughs> well, we never saw elk. We saw a ton of antelope. They were everywhere, all standing along the sides of the road, watching cars go by. Uh, so it was just a neat experience for New Mexico. And then the outfitter I talked to, the people I've met like yourself, uh, it makes me really understand how special New Mexico is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think growing up here and even as an adult, there's a sense that there's nothing here. Um, And something I'm kind of realizing more and more is there's vast expanses of beautiful land. And that's something that other places really don't have. You know, there are people that come from New York City that haven't seen the sun in weeks. And they come here and look at our sunsets and, you know, look at the undeveloped road that they can drive in and they're pretty amazed. And I think now in my psyche, at least uh, that open space, is just filled with adventure and opportunity. And it's definitely been flipped on its head because when I was younger, you know, I'm like, well, what the heck? There's nothing here. I want to live in a big city. And now I'm like, I want to live in, you know, a mid-sized city. Albuquerque is a great place to live. And I can be anywhere in the state in five or six hours. And 
there's so much to explore here. And my dad told me a lot of cool stories. There's a lot of folklore around, you know, the animals that we have here and also all of the his- historical stuff. You know, you can be walking around and find pottery on the ground and arrowheads and just see our history. And that's something I really love. You know, we've been shed hunting and you look over and see pottery on the ground and it's just a really special place in terms of that sense that you can always discover something. Anybody that's not been to New Mexico, and and I know there's some very uh, hardcore hunters that put in for the draw in that state because of the elk, you know, along with Arizona, you guys are just cranking out some huge bulls. So it's really neat to see every year the the pictures that come out of New Mexico. Uh, Tell me a little bit about this governor's event that you're working with. Sure. So um, it basically benefits the Game and Fish. It happens once a year, and it's the governor's special hunt auction and banquet. And so they take a lot of really special tags, um, of course, and provide an opportunity for people to bid on them. And so it's a huge source of funding. Um, and then in partnership with them this year is the Youth Conservation Foundation. And so a lot of the proceeds for our efforts will benefit that group directly. And I'm just so excited to see what is going to be possible for them in the next year with some additional funding coming through. Because in my mind, taking someone hunting or fishing for the first time is irreplaceable. I mean, the more people that we can get in the outdoors and just open up the conversation for why we do what we do. I mean, that that's my one mission. You know, even on social media, I've met guys and girls that are like, Katie, this is so amazing. How do I get into doing this? Of course, I'm a resource, but to know there's an actual organization out there helping people get in the outdoors really makes my heart happy. And I hope that they're really successful through the fundraiser. What a great opportunity for the residents of New Mexico that that money coming in for wildlife management. I mean, nobody better than yourself will understand with your your dad and your your sister being biologists that money is critical to the management of these the the wildlife resources so it's a you know many people mistake the word conservation with preservation and they all want the preservation where conservation is where us hunters lie where we want the wise use of resources and that money is just irreplaceable if it's ever lost so i hope that banquet goes over great you told me steve ranella is going to be involved in it this year yeah he's going to be our keynote speaker. And so we're really excited to have him come out. I mean, I think, you know, most people are pretty familiar with him as he's the host of Meat Eater. He's one of my favorite outdoor personalities. I've read every single one of his books. And I think that he represents hunters um, in a different way where it just really speaks to people that don't have a clue about hunting or fishing. He kind of looks at things from different perspectives. And I think he does a whole lot for our hunting community and getting people to understand our perspectives. Anything that shines a positive light on hunters, I think is fantastic. So I can't wait to hear more uh, about how that went. And we can have you hopefully on in a later episode to talk about how the events and how you're doing. Tell me, what is next for you? What is what is your goals as New Mexico Huntress builds up? Uh, you've got a following on Instagram. Uh, you're doing stuff with Facebook. What are your next goals? How do you want to keep advancing yourself? Yeah, so I mean, I just started bow hunting six months ago. And you know, that basically came down to shooting every single day. And fortunately, I was able to take my first big game animal. I was with a friend on that hunt. And so 
really my next goal is a solo bow hunt. And I'm, you know, shooting every single week. I shoot league and I'm just trying to get better at archery. That's my next step. And of course, I'll be dependent on what animals I draw. And then from there, I'm doing the train to hunt challenge in Colorado, I believe in July. And so for those of you unfamiliar, it's basically kind of like a Spartan race or an obstacle course race, but with archery included. And so now that I'm bow hunting, I'm just focusing on continuing to get better at that and also, you know, being as physically on my game as I possibly can. There are all the other supplementary things that go along with that, like working on my wayfinding and overall knowledge, you know, processing and all of that good stuff that's absolutely critical to doing a solo hunt. Now, earlier in my episodes, on episode 10, I interviewed a gentleman named Japheth Singleton. He's also in New Mexico like you, and he runs a, he does cameras for hunting, and he's an elk hunting addict. So he's a knee guy, but he starts a website called The Freshman Bow Hunter. He, like you, decided that bow hunting as a solo person really was intriguing to him. So he just picked up a bow and he's been talking to people via his Facebook account about what it's like as a person picking up bow hunting and just saying, hey, I'm going to learn how to do this. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's so rewarding. And I would say, I wouldn't say, you know, bow hunting's better. Before I started bow hunting, I <laughs> definitely had that perspective from a lot of people where they're like, oh, well, I'm a bow hunter. And they'd be sitting in a blind or, you know, hunting whitetails. And there's definitely a, a difference there in terms of, are you, you know, a Western bow hunter? Are you hiking 10 miles? into the backcountry. And so I I don't like that hierarchy of bow hunting is better. But as an experience, um, having to get closer to the animals and have that knowledge and being able to stalk, that's what I really want to focus on. And I do think it's definitely a different experience. You know, my sheep, for instance, last year, the one I shot, I shot her at 125 yards and I was on on a mountain peak and it was an amazing experience. But this year, um, you know, I stalked about 150 yards and I was 35 yards away you know my arrow went right through her heart and I saw her crashing and was right there to experience the whole thing and it was just mind-blowing and so I I think I'm definitely becoming addicted to bow hunting and it's again it's just that different experience I won't say I'll never hunt with a rifle or a muzzleloader again but it's really different yes I use a again due to my mobility issues I use a crossbow and I have to hunt in a blind because I I can't stalk. I'd make way too much noise, but it sure. is a neat experience in Texas. We'll, we are allowed to bait. So we'll put, we'll corn the senderos within 20 yards of where I'm sitting and whatever we're looking for generally will come in looking. And you're right. Shooting something at, at 30, 35 yards is a whole different ball game than shooting them at 150, 200 yards. As you said, the experience, it's just a completely different perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, on my sheep hunt this year, for instance, um, I went on three different trips um, up in the Latir wilderness to try and get on sheep and I could have killed one with a rifle every single day. And when I had killed one with a rifle last year, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it was this really tough hunt. And it was. We hiked, you know, four miles into the backcountry, killed the sheep, quartered it, and I packed it down the next day. And that was a huge accomplishment for me at that time. And then, you know, you just, you want to do more and more challenging things. And I mean, I love rifles and I'll still still use 
use them, but yeah, bow hunting, it's just totally different. Whether, whether you're in a blind or not, I mean, it's just hunting with a bow and I've never hunted with a crossbow, but yeah, it's a different experience being closer to the animal. Yeah. I love it. So anytime I hear somebody talk about getting into that type of experience, I'm, I'm very pleased. I love to rifle hunt. I'll never give up my rifle, but I also love the experience you get from being close and, and just a whole different ball game. Totally. Well, awesome. So as you move forward and you go forward, your goals as New Mexico Huntress is to focus on making hunting more accessible to people. Is that is that a fair statement or is it just more awareness you're trying to generate or both? Oh, I mean, it's really both. Yeah, it's both. I mean, I think anytime, you know, you can um, put things out there in a positive light and, you know, things aren't always positive. I had my chiropractor who has a big following of fitness and UFC people post my picture in my sheets because he helped me you know, get in shape and fix my arm for my hunt. And there was a lot of hate at first. And what ended up happening was some really fruitful conversations with these people that normally would never talk to a hunter. And so I think just being open, having those conversations, and you know, if people are hostile, kind of reading that and just, I guess, with open arms and just extending grace to them and trying to tell them your perspective. I mean, I saw a lot of good come out of that. And so I think it's overall awareness. And then yeah, if they're anyone that has questions about hunting I mean I just want to be an open book Um, I don't know everything and I know that I'm learning as I go and I think you know I'll never claim to be an expert Hmm. but if I don't know something I have a lot of people I can ask and so when people ask me a question I just try and be there to answer it and be encouraging because there are so many people that would like to hunt or fish and don't have the resources they don't have a family of biologists you know or all of the gear um, to go do it and so hopefully you know it will get some people to at least ask questions or maybe even go hunting or fishing with me for the first time. Well, that'd be great. Now, tell me a little bit about the gear that you're using. Tell me about your bow and your choices and how you ended up with that choice. Sure. I mean, I have a PSE and basically we found it on Craigslist and it was a really affordable bow. And I mean, I it was brand new because the guy was a target shooter and he bought it for his wife and she shot it once and decided she didn't want it anymore. And so um, I got a really good deal on that. It came, you know, with a whisker biscuit and I actually upgraded to a drop away rest and then I got a little bit nicer sight and so um, I'm using stingers so I'm not using expandable broadheads but I'm right now only shooting 42 pounds and killed my sheep with the stingers at 42 pounds and it was extremely effective. And so I think there's a lot of push to have the most expensive gear or the highest draw weight with as good as the bows are these days. You just don't, you don't need that. You don't need a thousand dollar bow. You know, mine was 380 bucks, probably with a hundred bucks worth of upgrades. I'm shooting a pretty low weight. You know, I have pictures of the damage it did going through the heart and that sheep went down faster than with my seven M and Mac. Unbelievably. Yeah. I think a lot of people get intimidated because you can go to the um, bigger box store Stores, uh, or even your local sporting goods stores, and you see these new bows, a thousand, twelve hundred dollars, you know, fifteen hundred dollars, and well, you can certainly spend that on a gun. The guns tend to hold their value far more. The bows don't. They just within a year or two, that thing is dropped in value. I think you're right on that. You go to something like a Craigslist, anything of that nature you can find some great equipment at great prices. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think hopefully that's not a barrier to entry, you know, for people because there there are a lot of things that you have to get to do some of the more 
series back backcountry hunts, you know, you have to have good glass. And again, there I have, you know, Vortex Diamondbacks that I want to say, oh, what are they, 10 by 42s? And, you know, those are pretty cheap and they're effective and a Badlands pack that they'll replace if it ever breaks. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I you don't have to have the best gear. And the funny thing is, my dad is so old school. I mean, growing up, we hunted in army fatigues and <laughs> his clothes that were too big for us. And so, you know, my sister's 11 years older than me. She's been hunting her whole life. And just this past year, we started getting real women's hunting gear. And so that's been kind of a funny transition for us because we're used to hunting in old army wool pants. And so you don't have to have the best of the best. But when you see everyone else having that, you know, there can be that perception. So I would just say lower end or middle of the line stuff is totally fine because most of it's so good, you know, and especially for hunting clothing can have kind of some essentials and be pretty set. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, oh, maybe two years ago, I picked up a DVD box set of uh, Fred Bear. It shows a lot of his hunts that he, he decided to go on these hunts just to film them and show how good the bows were so that people would buy the bows. He's wearing, like you said, he's wearing wool pants, a plaid shirt, and a fedora hat that he's been standing on a campfire <laughs> in. And then he goes out and, uh, and hunts with so while there's a lot of neat gear out there, you're right, a little bit of the basics and you buy something that's good, you only have to buy it one time. It's a great way to go. Yeah. And of course there's, you know, the Sitkas and the QUs that are really nice technical gear, you know, for guys that are going to spend thousands of dollars to go on a doll sheep hunt. For, for most people, honestly, today you can walk into Walmart and get some decent camo gear that you'll be fine in. And I mean, I would just say the knowledge comes in where you talk about your layering and what kind of layers that you want you know if you are going to go into the backcountry to have those different performance layers that you know are going to serve you well but I mean generally in terms of buying the clothing you can spend very little and be totally fine well awesome now back to the broadheads are you using the magnus the the stinger the two blade or the buzz cut or the four blade I believe mine are the buzz cut the little serrated ones yep yep those are great I've with my crossbow I've done some real damage to hogs over here in Texas when I use those. Oh yeah, that's great. I mean, I was just about to go on my javelina hunt here in February and I mean, I'll be shooting those and they, I mean, they worked on a sheep that was pretty hefty. And so I'm assuming they'll perform really well on, on a javelina. Uh, that's a broadhead that I really like. It's one of the two that I keep in my pack that I will occasionally switch to when I'm shooting my crossbow. So that's neat to hear. Well, this has really been great. Now you've got, you've got an Instagram page, a Facebook page. Uh, do you have a website? I don't have a website. Um, I just kind of started to grow my presence online. So really Instagram is the focus for me at this point. I'm working on a Facebook page just because people do have a lot of questions about where to go in New Mexico or what kind of bait to use or, you know, just kind of random questions. But for the time being, my Instagram is really the best place to reach me. Great. Well, I'll have links to that as well. I know as people get into bow hunting, it can be overwhelming. Uh, I, I would encourage anybody that's listening and wants to start bow hunting, reach out to Katie through Instagram, through the notes I'm my page talk to her you this is the way that hunters give back to the hunting community is by willingness to answer questions and and really make themselves available when they can to help aspiring and prospective hunters yeah absolutely and i mean i'm always a resource because i just love talking to people about hunting and fishing and there have been a lot of girls that you know say i want to go but my family doesn't hunt and so if i can give them any information Um, or just encourage them or bring them out one time. I mean, that's huge for me because I think, you know, you get to a point with hunting where you just love it so much you want other people to understand 
um, and have that experience. So for me, you know, it's just fun. It's what I love to do. I love talking to people about it and sharing experiences and learning together because there is so much to learn. You know, I'm, I think my dad is like expert level at everything. You know, we call him the fish whisperer and he's had so many amazing experiences. You know, you have to realize that's a lifetime of being a biologist and a hunter. And so, you know, I'm just trying to learn everything I can. And I, I learn from people all the time, just having those conversations online. Oh, fantastic. Well, you know, Katie, I really appreciate the time. It's fantastic to hear as people get into hunting. It's, it's a passion of mine that I've pursued for many years. I love to see when new hunters come into it, especially uh, women. We really need to increase the focus, both the youth and women, to broaden the base of hunters. And so I really applaud you for what you're doing to further that effort because we need more of that. We need less of the the harassment that you see on the social media channels and more of the positive image that you're portraying. Well, thanks so much. Um, I'm really glad that we got to connect and I totally agree with you. I think with everything that's happening right now socially in terms of people being so concerned about, you know, what they're putting in their bodies and what they're feeding their families that now is a really great time for us to step up and really make the point that hunting is the best way to provide organic, free-range, hormone-free meat. And, you know, I think once you enter that conversation, you can, you know, really open people's minds. And I've had a few instances where I've worked worked with people, um, you know, side by side at an ad agency, and they've had lots of questions or, you know, really weren't that into it. And over time talking, they've kind of converted to thinking that hunting's a really good thing. And so just being a voice for what we do and understanding why we do it. But in society right now, there's a huge shift towards getting back to our roots and what, you know, what's genuine. And I think that there's just a huge opportunity for hunters to make a real difference right now and for women to get in the game. Because when you see a mom going to kill an elk and then bringing back organic meat for her family, I mean, what a great testament to hunting and our heritage. Yes, if you have the whole family involved, it just broadens it. And again, it's nothing but a positive positive experience for hunting, for the outlook on hunting. And again, I, I can't tell you how appreciative I am of what you're doing and the state that I absolutely now dream about hunting in. So I applaud you for where you're at and, and what you're doing. And I encourage you to keep it up. Hopefully we'll get a lot of people to head over to your your Instagram page. Keep an eye on what you're doing. The, the pictures there are fantastic of the animals that you and your friends have taken. So again, I really appreciate your time. I look forward to catching up with you maybe six months or a year out and see how this next hunting season has gone for you and where you've gone from here. That would be amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time, Jason. It's been a blast to talk to you. Well, great. Well, you have a wonderful afternoon. Enjoy the rest of your day. And again, good luck as you build up New Mexico Hunter and uh, we're, we're behind you at this podcast and we look forward to talking to you anytime you ever want to come on. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. You have a great afternoon. Okay. You too, Jason. Come early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed. Hear those turkeys gobble It's ringing in my head The winter rise bass boat Here comes another year Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Oh, we command the outdoors 
Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine, fishing on the lake. Flipping jigs in Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on creek bank Kick back a couple beers Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we command the outdoors Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands. The fever starts to creep. Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors